Dale, we are winding down. We have this program and one more, and we will have completed the epic Let It Go series. Epic. Ah. Well, you have to have to build it up a little bit. I've never taken part in epic. I'm feeling... Pretty proud, right? Feeling, now. feeling pretty pretty tough right. stuff right now, are you? Well, as long as we finish well. <laughs> well, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. This one's called the healing experience, and in many ways, may be one of the most significant. I think the next program will be too. One of the most significant things that we're doing because you can do all of the build up, and if you don't bring it home. You don't score, you don't win the game, whatever language you want to use. If you don't bring it home, then you've done all this stuff in Christ and you've worked hard and you've done death to self and you've walked through all of these different things that were expensive and hard and and you're like, is it even worth it? And if you don't get the payoff, it's easy to kind of look in the mirror and go, I don't think it was worth it. Six seconds left. Opponents dribbling down the court to steal the ball, head for the basket, and miss the layup. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you got the picture. It's, it's right there. And the healing experience, which is what we're talking about, many times people get to this point and they're looking for something that is not God. They're looking for a healing experience that is a particular way. And one of the things we're going to talk about in this program is that big buildup, I call it, the big bang. You know, it's like, wow, God showed up and the lights were flashing and there was strobes and there was smoke and there was all kinds of stuff. And I know it was God and I'm in a better place now. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing a movie set and a big finish like that. And, and then uh, it doesn't go at all like it was supposed to go, because our expectation uh, is for the wrong kind of miracle. Speaking of movie set, made for viewing in an hour TV doesn't necessarily fit real life. And many times that's what we do. In fact, I'm even going to talk about the Gospels or the book of Acts. When you look at the book of Acts, you see one kind of a picture because you compress 10 years, 20 years, 30 years sometimes. You compress these large periods of time down into a chapter or a chapter and a half, and you're looking at that, and just like a TV program, I see this, and it's all wrapped up in 30 minutes. It's all wrapped up in an hour, and I get an unrealistic view of life. And I, I think some of that... I. What can you do? You, you have to communicate the message, and you want to communicate it within a time frame. But then there's this problem of you're almost creating unrealistic expectations. You bring up movies or a TV, that kind of idea, uh, and how—I I prefer reading a book because there's more, more detail— you, it, it, there's time to flush it out, flush it out, flush it out, maybe in another sense. Too. <laughs> you hope but, not to flush it, no. <laughs> but, but I find a lot more satisfaction in a book, uh, and particularly you read a book and then you see a movie that's done about the book, and it's kind of like, huh? Uh, you, you missed it. Well, there's, there's, there's that uh, 
element of delving into, going deeper uh, into the subject, and, and it makes a big difference, in, in not only in the story, but in how we perceive the outcome. So what is healing? Healing is heart change. Healing is life transformation. What's the thing that's not the flash? What's the thing that's not the bang? You've got this surrender process that is going on where I'm moving from a place where I wasn't in Christ to a place where, another series we've done, Making Room for God, where I'm clearing out the things that are standing against God. I'm handing them over. I'm making room for God to do in my life what He wants to do. And if all of us were doing that collectively, it would be an amazing experience. Unfortunately, too often, it's one person doing it, two people doing it. And if it's one or two people, many times the other people start persecuting the one or two who are actually living the life. And so you don't really get the full benefit of it at that time. It's kind of like, well, it's me and God, and His grace is sufficient, and, and I'm there. When it really comes together is when a group of people come together and they're walking it out together. That's when it feels good. That's when it looks good. That's when it happens in the— When it is good. That's when the TV production, bring in the cameras, let's roll, it looks like this, let's make it happen. But a lot of times you've got the single individual over here who is walking their way through, and it's lonely, and it's hard, and there's no lights, there's no camera, but that still is the healing experience. I'm, I'm picturing a, a, a recent uh, contestant on The Voice uh, who had sang, sung, whichever that would be. Uh, in the past, she'd been a backup singer, and she's now right around 50, maybe even into her 50s. And this was her first attempt at a solo. What a voice. Just amazing. And, and uh, every, every performance was, was superior. And she was the runner-up in the contest. But, but it was interesting to see, and the, the whole story of being a background singer to some... Uh, to somebody that everybody would know, and and uh, her 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 honesty about how difficult it was to step out, uh, even though she knew she had a, a great voice. Uh, but we tend to we tend to see uh, ourselves in 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 the in the harshest light, uh, at, but at the same time. We operate from a solo mentality, and, and as you mentioned earlier, the the real powerful stuff is when a group comes to the same uh, same spot. Generally, I mean, we're all going to think differently in some way, but there's a, a unity of purpose, and that unity is something that God can can take and make something really special out of. When you have a group that's moving in a direction like that, that's when you tend to get more of the flash, the bang, the, wow, this feels mm -hmm. good, because now I've got affirmation from people around me, and it's, it's, there's an excitement, and people around me are recognizing what's happening. 
That's part of why I love working with the Omega Project, and you're working with a lot of people who are moving the same direction at the same time. We sit down, we have testimonies. Wow, God did this, God did that. And when that's happening, all of a sudden you get the affirmation. That's where the flash comes from. That's where the bang comes from. I'm, I'm being affirmed we're doing this thing together. It's momentum. It's momentum and it's excitement. And that happens, and the other we'll talk about a little bit later in the program, but there are times when God just does a power thing in a person's life, and it's just, it's amazing. It, it blows up in a way that you don't need the affirmation of people around you. You don't need the group thing. But healing in an individual who's walking this grief process through doesn't look anything like that the majority of the time. Most of the time, what it looks like, let's go back to a key word from last time, is the word wait. And wait, slow down, stop. The fourth stage of, of the stages of the grief process, depression. I'm out of energy. I'm done. I've got to cooperate with my body. I've got to cooperate with with my mind, my psyche, my emotional feelings, all of that different stuff. And to do that, I've got to come to this stopping point, to this slowing down, this resting, and regathering my energy to a level to where I can interact with God, I can interact with people, because the key part of this step is receiving. So if I'm trying to do this on my own, the number one thing I caution people against is isolation. Now, there is a need for aloneness. You can go separation off. There is be. a need for separation. There is a need to go off. There's a need to be able to be yourself and deal with self and walk that through. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when I don't want to be with people. I can't stand to be with people. And so now I'm isolating in a way that I'm going deeper and deeper into self, deeper and deeper into depression. There's a time to begin to understand who I am, who God created me to be, go through the surrender process. Much of that has to be done alone, but I'm differentiating here between alone and isolating. Those are two very different terms. So are we not, isn't this life all about healing? Uh, we wouldn't be in the predicament we're in had we chosen the right things. Starting with Adam and Eve, but uh, I, if I was Adam and, and some, had a different Eve, uh, we would have done the same thing. Uh, that's, that's human nature uh, at its worst uh, to choose. And so this, this lifetime is all about healing. It's all about uh, being made whole, uh, and and so so it's a never-ending thing. So we we need to take that into consideration. But and and it's something that everybody is in the process of either actively participating in it or trying to avoid it. Well, let's go back to the terminology: the fall. Men fell from their original design. God had a better plan. God had a better purpose. We he usually does. turned against God. We chose against God. There was a fall. Everything since then has been about redemption. It's about being redeemed. It's been about being restored. 
I made the statement in a previous program about pain. Pain is an indicator that we're not in the place of our purpose. Now, not always. Sometimes people around you are just being jerks, and it hurts. But much of the time when that pain rises to a high level, there's something that needs to be surrendered to God, and I'm moving towards a place of restoration, heart change. That's, that's absolutely what we're talking about. I gave you the, the trigger sign. Uh, I, when I decided one time I wanted to put together an album of my songs, I, I had six that I wanted to use, and I was going to write six more. But the, the, the front of the cover was going to be a finger on the trigger, and, and uh, so that hit me when you were saying that, because we, we always—the safe thing is not to put your finger on the trigger unless you're intending to fire. And, and, uh, uh, but too often we, we have our finger on the trigger and we end up firing when we didn't mean to, or we, we knew better, but because and, and it was like a knee-jerk thing and a reaction and boom, we, we shoot off some way and uh, we do harm to ourselves and others that way. Working with people who are many times in intense pain, and this whole healing process, I mean, it's, it's a lot of what I do. The number one rule that I have is slow it mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. Very much like what you just said. Get your finger off the trigger. You know, slow it down. Get to a point of waiting, listening, opening yourself up to God, receiving. When you're in the healing process... There is so much of it looks exactly like this, and it doesn't look like anything special. It doesn't feel like anything special. In fact, the early stages of healing are just maybe not quite so heavy, maybe just not quite so depressed. If you think about the work of God, it's God has to enable us. I love the language of Ephesians chapter 2, where you don't even have the faith that you need to believe in God. So God has to give you the faith before that you can have the faith, so that you can believe in God, so that you can confess Him as Lord, so that you can start this whole process. That language from Ephesians chapter 2 is incredibly powerful, and it works here. I hit this point of despondency, depression, there's no energy left, nothing happening. I'm in this place of waiting, stillness, brokenness, my emotions are just raw, all of this is going on, and somewhere in there, there's just, just a tiny glimmer of energy to begin to think a little more clearly than I was before, or or to my emotions settle down just a little bit, or whatever you want to talk about. That's that Ephesians chapter 2 process where God's giving me the faith to have faith so that I can exercise the faith, so that I can get to a place of believing, so that I can move into the total transformation. That's what I'm talking about. This process isn't what we think it is. When I see the flash, when I see the bang, invariably there has been work up to that point where the person has done some of the things that I'm talking about now. They've slowed it down. They've, they've had some rest time. They've 
gathered in some energy. They're ready. They're open to process. They're open to receive. They're open to hear. I don't just run out there and pray for anyone and everyone that I see. I've seen powerful works of God, quote unquote, in an instant. But in Acts 14, Paul talks about they looked and he saw a man who had the faith to be healed. He saw something. He saw something. He saw a man and it's like, wait a minute, that guy's ready. And one of the key things that I find in the healing area is readiness. If you're running around praying for everybody you see, every time you know, just healing, 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 you're going to have a miserable record. But if you start observing some of these kinds of things and you begin to see, wait a minute, I'm, I'm seeing a quietness, I'm seeing a stillness, there's an openness here, now I jump in, I grab hold of that person, I begin to pray with that higher intensity, and wow, God moves. Well, God was there before I ever decided to pray. <laughs> uh, I, I had a picture just then of uh, kids playing hide-and-seek. And, and you count to a certain number, and then you announce, ready or not, here I come. I think we have this perception when we're in pain. Uh, first, first option is, we'll fix it. And, and we get beaten down enough on that by not being able to do that. And, and we despair to the point that we actually say, God, take care of this. Then we want the whole thing to magically be done in a moment because God's, God could do anything. But uh, that, that ready or not, here I come, uh, the, the, the picture I get is uh, God shows us uh, his presence a little bit at a time for the most part. There are miracles, absolutely. But for the most part, uh, it's a building process. And he's patient. It's like I was talking last time about the guy with the flashlight. Uh, it's only big enough to light a few steps, but that God wants us to take those steps to get to the place of real revelation and real healing and real well-being, and, and it is only possible through his patience. The person who wants it to come magically, the person who wants it to come instantly, has not done the surrender process to where that thing is going to last. Because the purpose of the pain is to wake us up, to get us back from the fall into a place of redemption, into a place of purpose where we're joining our hearts with God's heart. So if I'm there and I'm just, I'm demanding that the pain ends, there's times when God is merciful. And he will come in, and I've seen him bring levels of healing just to pour out his goodness, to pour out his faith, to say, I get it, you're human. You can only handle about so much. But those people invariably get to this attitude, oh, I'm done, I've got it. I've been prayed for, I've got the healing of God. And they've never done the surrender process the way they need to. They're not walking in the entire purpose, the greater purpose of the thing, and I'll guarantee you they're going to hit it again. And when they hit it again, they're going to be angry at God, they're going to feel forsaken, they're going to feel like religion is useless because they had that magic mentality of the spiritual realm. They feel all alone, and 
in a way, they've chosen to be alone because they've, they've uh, yes, they've hurt, and, and God is addressing that. But it, when he doesn't come through in the big way that I think he should come through, then, then I isolate and, and I am alone and I am, I'm, I, I'm not in a good place. When I'm in that magic mentality, I'm wanting pleasure. I'm wanting to be the center of my universe. And again, stop. None of us want to be in pain. None of us want to endure that, whether that's physical pain or, or spiritual, relational, emotional. I get it, and I'm not asking anyone to be masochistic when I, when I talk about this. But there needs to be this surrender piece of, God, I choose to walk where you want me to walk. And then there also has to be this second piece, which is so important, and we've talked about it all the way through. There has to be an understanding that sin has created this. And we all share outcomes. So I am going to have some of this land on me. And if I'm going to be here and demand of God that I am going to live this life of pleasure and I'm going to live from one high to the next, and God, if you don't give me that kind of experience, you're not a good God. If those are the concepts about how we think, then you're never going to get to a place of healing. Coming to healing is built on this foundation of, of a surrender to God and a death to self where you're saying, God, I want what you want. And if there's pain involved, I'm okay with that pain as long as I know you have a purpose, and I may or may not get to know that purpose. But as long as I know you have a purpose, I'm able to surrender to that purpose. I'm willing to take my share of the pain and pay it forward, as it were. Christ paid it forward for us. I'm willing to do that same pay it forward sort of a thing. When I get to that kind of a supple willingness point of view, I'm 98% there. I mean, it's, it's working. But too many people, when they're in that pain process, they're still in a place of, of demandingness and I want it this way, and I will get it this way, and I will get this outcome, and I will get this outcome in this particular time frame. That's not the healing process. Frank Sinatra just came to mind. I did it my way. And, and, uh, and uh, speaking for myself only, I've, I've lived there a lot of my life of, of uh, prideful, um, independent. There, there are a lot of words that can describe it, but the reality is we were created to be in a union with God and each other. And, and uh, when we take on that solo act, and we do it every day, when we take on that solo act, we're flying in the face of creation. Not a good place to fly. You're not in God's purpose. You're going to create pain, and you're going to receive pain when you're not in God's purpose. That is not the will of God. Pain should direct us back to the will of God. But asterisk, being in the will of God doesn't eliminate the pain because there's sin all around us, and we all share outcomes. So if I have a worldview of living in Christ equals no pain, that's not a good foundation.
Let's take a break. We've covered a lot of ground. Review some of the points that we've made, and then we'll continue. I want to shift to the experience itself because I've made a lot of references to the emotional big play prayer I've got healing type of thing and and first and foremost as I referred to in the last segment I believe in that I look for places where people are ready to receive and I believe there's incredible power in the laying on of hands and and when you see someone who's at that point, if you have the peace of God, you can literally pray that peace of God over somebody else. There, there's a, the ability to transfer that thing. And obviously, there's got to be cooperation on their part. They've got to be connected. They've got to receive. And so there's sensitivity in that whole prayer process. And I believe in all of that, but in this series, what we've really been hammering, we've talked about over and over again, is me. How do I approach it? What do I bring to the table? And one of the things that I do want to talk about, which we referred to already, but is the pursuit of false experiences. There are experiences that I can pursue that will give me a sense of fullness of self, of I've got this, I'm healed now, don't talk to me. And I've seen those kinds of things, and that also, it's, it's not necessarily detailed in the grief process, but you see it from time to time, where someone gets this experience and all of a sudden they're just untouchable and they're in an unreality zone and they won't hear anything from anyone. So you're talking about what you see. And, and uh, I dare say that uh, I've, I've been around you enough years in different situations, and you do see things differently. What kind of indicators to the positive and the negative do you see in a person when there, you, you can tell that they are definitely getting the message or they're not getting the message. The number one word that I would use is humility as opposed to pride, and I have to put a huge caution. There is self-pity, and self-pity, victim status, uh, nobody likes me, all of that sort of thing, which is a false indicator mm -hmm. of humility. If someone's in that victim status, they're still in kind of a broken, whiny, why did this happen to me state, and they're still floundering around in that place, the chances of you praying over them and seeing something significant happen in a positive way is virtually zero. In fact, if someone's in a victim state and they suddenly get this revelation of, just what God is going to do through their pain and how they're going to touch people and change lives, and et cetera. If they move from that victim state to a state of being a savior, that's the best indicator of this false experience that I was just talking about, where suddenly I'm fixed, I'm well, now I'm going to tell you how I did it and how it is to be done and 
and I have all of this information. And many times people in grief make that transition. They, they jump into that place and, and it's self. I mean, I talk about the coin. You've got a head side of the coin and you've got a tail side of the coin. The head side of the coin is when everything's going really good. The tail side of the coin is when things are really terrible and not going well. Well, pride is the head side of the coin and self-pity is the tail side, but they're still the same coin. So if I'm around someone and I'm seeing that victim status, there's no way that I'm going to pray this home run prayer of God just touch them and heal them because I know the odds at that point are they're just going to go from victim status to hero status in a way that it's, it's, it's unreality and it's false and it's not going to have good outcomes. So the response on your part is dig a little deeper? When I'm seeing victim status, there's really almost nothing. First of all, there's almost nothing you can do. So Let I'll them just, wallow in it. I'll just stay there. The best thing you can do is come alongside, express some level of sympathy, mm -hmm. some level of comfort, let them know you're there, uh, validate them as a person, validate their suffering. You, there's things like that that you can do, but I'm not going to try to pray what I call the home run prayer. If, on the other hand, I see genuine humility of, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to turn, here I am. Do you have anything for me? A word for me. Do you have a word for me? Can you pray for me? There's, there's just a much greater openness. When that comes along, I'm like all over it. It's like, I'm looking at that guy going, this one has the faith to be healed. And, and in, a, in a sense, it sounds backwards. The other guy is the one who seemed to have the faith to be healed because they're like, Make me the king. Make me the savior. Make me, you know, turn me into this place. I'm ready. Put me in, coach. And, and the guy who's over here saying, put me in, coach, a lot of times is the last guy that you want to put in. Exactly. I've got this other guy that says, coach, I don't know what to do. I don't have a clue. I don't know how to do it. Mm. If you tell me, I'll try. I show up with that guy, and I'm like, you know what? Let me pray for you. There's an openness to receive at that point that the transfer from God through you to the other person, it's, it's almost 100%. It's, it's incredibly powerful. Now, what happens frequently is something that's very different. People pray for one guy, and now I become the Savior. I prayed for this person, and he was good. And it's kind of like, stand back. Let me pray for you. You haven't I'll seen bring anything yet. Yeah, and... and <laughs> So then on the part of the people doing the praying, you get that same thing, where people are jumping in, they're praying for other people, and they're announcing, God has touched you, healing is headed your way, etc. And so then these people walk away from this experience, which is zero, is nothing. They, they see it, they feel the hypocrisy, they feel the lack of touch from God, and they're like, well, if, if that's all God has to offer... Pfft. He doesn't have much, so why should I even pursue? It is so important for you, whether it's at an individual level or you're working with other people, it's so important for you to get down to this baseline of the genuine article where there's a transfer from the presence of Christ into that person in a way that is restorative. Behold, I stand at the door and knock if any man answers.
I will come in. And and the doorknob that isn't there in the painting is 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 a great indicator of that. We have to empty ourselves of ourselves, and that's that's a difficult thing to do. And 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 we get you 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 mentioned put me in, coach. We get faked out of our position, <laughs> which is is uh, our position is one that it's of relationship with God. God created us to be in relationship with him and with each other and and so often uh we we want to be a solo act and and i got this uh, so the, the the recognition part is we make we make it more difficult because of our perspective now let me skip pictures completely we're no longer talking about a revival where you're being prayed over or an individual praying for another individual. You're talking about that lonely person who is experiencing cancer or name your poison. It is amazing to me when I talk to some of those people, the response you get afterwards, which is, I almost wish I could be there again except I don't want to. And the reason they want to be there again is because the grace of God is so precious. It is so real. And the promise of Scripture is that His grace will be with us to make up the difference, but I'm going to put an asterisk on this thing, if that person is making room for God. So we go back to what we just talked about a few minutes ago. I'm looking for people to pray for I've got one who is still in victim status. I've got one who is at genuine humility, brokenness, surrendered to God. They're handing things off to God. The one who is there, whether I pray for them or not, whether somebody else prays for them, whether they go to revival, maybe even, I'll be radical, maybe they're not even really into the Word. Maybe they're not really even praying, because here's what Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes these people don't even know enough to be actively seeking. But there's something powerful about a person who has reached the end of himself and is now in humility. There's like a magnet there that just attracts the presence of God, attracts the grace of God. And people who have been through these kinds of experiences will look back on it and they will say something like, oh, I almost wish I could be back there again, but I don't want to pay the price. And it's incredibly powerful for you to understand this is what healing looks like. It is coming to the end of self. It is hitting this place of absolute humility, beginning to drink in the grace of God, and then take it the next step. I begin to anticipate the grace of God. I'm excited about it. And I kind of lose sight of the pain. I've kind of lose sight of the sickness. I, I, this all begins to fade. And this isn't something that just happens. For some people, it's dramatic. For some people, it's a shift. It happened at this 30-second mark. But for most people, it happens almost a drip at a time. Oh, wait a minute. I'm beginning to notice a little something, God, and then it's gone. Oh, wait a minute. I was able to get a drink this time, and then it's gone. 
I I had a picture as you were talking there of explorers when the Magellans and the, the Sotos and all the all the the people that stood on the shore when when the belief was that the world was flat and and looked out and didn't know what they were seeing but it was compelling enough to follow and and i think that's a good picture of how we really come into relationship with god uh on a on a personal surrender kind of way uh, is that we look out i love to watch uh, productions about the universe and and how and the the discovery has been made that the the last place that has been able to be seen at this point uh is like uh a por- a portion of our body and then uh that the, the basic 80 some percent of our body is made up of an unknown element i have my opinion on that now but so that was the first one. Louis Giglio did these presentations, and 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 so and he keeps going out and going out and going out, and and then the last one is this formation that is like a cross, and and uh, so the next series he does is going in, and and that's always been a fascination. But if the universe is infinite. It it goes on way beyond what we can even imagine. In in a going out way, it's the same on a going in way. Microscopically, it's universal. And the second program he did, uh, on the other end of things, as far as we've been able to see, is a very similar uh, deal. So uh, that that idea of uh, of a, of an explorer standing on the edge of the unknown, that's that's who we are. We're and and we have different perspectives on what kind of a explorer we are. Some of us want to just stay at home and and not venture out and see anything new. Others have a bigger bigger picture. But I believe God wants us to have the picture of have uh, looking for Him. Uh, and and making a connection with him and all of these processes we've been talking about uh, are steps in that direction and uh, you can only take one he can make he can give you a big hop and and yes that's miraculous and but the the one that really is ingrained is the one you take one step at a time when all you see is the pain that explorer in you gets killed off. There's no hope. There's no future. There's no purpose. That's what makes life especially painful. No hope, no purpose, nothing to die for. You're alone. Nothing to live for. You're alone. You're in that place. Life gets dark. Pain done the right way transitions us from a focus on the pain to a focus back on God, seeing his purpose, making that transition. It doesn't necessarily get rid of the pain. Sometimes it gets rid of the pain. 
Sometimes it gives us a purpose within the pain, and we're able to bear it in the right way, the way God intended. And so then life becomes full. It becomes rich again. I, I love where I sit right now. I've, I've grown. I've grown through so many different stages, and, and I'm, I'm seeing step by step all of this sort of thing, handing these things off to God. I've spent a lot of my years in pain, a lot of it coming out of my own pride, a lot of it coming out of, you know, take your pick. But I've moved more to a place where what I'm talking about right now, the kinds of words I'm using right now, it's much more real in my life than it's ever been before. It's, it's interesting, the affirmation. Uh, that's, a, that's an important thing in how we see everything. Uh, because when, when our belief is affirmed by an authority, particularly God is uh, that familiarity that you're speaking of, uh, and the, the way things have changed is an affirmation of, of you're going the right direction. Uh, you're standing on the shoreline and, and you're looking out and, and, and you're projecting both in a physical sense, you move in that direction, and in a spiritual sense, you're, you're making that same journey. And, and when you have that sense of this is the right direction, this is, I'm, on, I'm on the right path, I believe that's an affirmation through the Holy Spirit that, that, yes, indeed, you are on the right path. Keep going. When life becomes an adventure, there's hope, excitement, you're on the right path. Now the question comes back to, and what we're trying to explore in this, this session is, how do I get there? I want to talk briefly about everybody gets there differently. If you're a brainiac, you're probably going to intellectually process, and there may not be a lot of emotions involved. The surrender process looks different for an intellectual person than it does for an emotional person. If you're an emotional person, you're going to emotionally process. You may have to yell. You may have to scream. If you're a verbal processor, especially an external verbal processor, you've got to find somebody and you've got to tell them your story. And then you have to find the next person and tell them your story. And then you have to find the next person and tell them your story. And you do that over and over and over again. And finally, it gets better. There are other people who are just the opposite. They're internal processors. Every time they tell their story, all they're doing is rehearsing it. All they're doing is reliving it. And they awaken the pain. And every time they awaken the pain and they don't get healing, they're angrier, they're more bitter, they have less hope, they're not transitioning. The key here is to understand who you are and understand it is about surrender. It is about handing this thing off to God. When I understand that's the bigger picture, oh, I need to process in a way that moves me that direction. If that means I shout, scream, yell, if that means I go into my inner room and I'm simply quiet, there's all kinds of different paths to healing. So are you saying that uh, in in God's creation of you as an individual, he puts something in you that's unique. Uh, it's his touch, his literal touch on your life, and you're meant to explore, discover, receive, and then the next step is to be grateful 
and and then give it away. Is that is that yeah. reasonable? We're, we're all progress? we're all designed to do that, and and we need each other to do that. Now I'm going to take it back to me, who I am. I'm very analytical. In case you hadn't figured this out. I'm more of a loner than you would ever imagine. So much of my healing came through reading a book, walking through a processing, doing a time together alone, and I putting it in your own words, putting it in my own words, walking this thing through in my life, in my way, and then to complete the healing, then I needed to verbally explain, talk about, process with other people. But in my journey, my deep healing, it almost always happens that way where I go in, get in a book, get in the Bible, get quiet, listen to the voice of God, walk through that stuff internally first. You're processing. Then I'm ready to talk about it. Then I'm ready to process. However, there are times, not everything's the same way, there are times when I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to say it that God has forced me to just put it out there in the open, say, don't have a clue, I'm a mess, I know I'm in a, not in a good place, I know something needs to change, I'd appreciate your prayers. Sometimes that meant that people prayed over me, I got nothing. Sometimes that meant people prayed over me, I got something incredible. Sometimes that meant that we just sat down and we talked, and by the time I had talked with someone, Wow, God had moved in that. My point is healing almost never looks exactly the same way twice. What you described initially was how you did it, and, and, and uh, that's part of participation is you do what you can do, but there, you're going to come to things, and, and I believe God uses those things for you to recognize I don't have any answers for this one. And, and, and uh, it's important that we learn to recognize the difference. When, when, you're, when you, God gives you something that you can do, uh, you, you should pursue it. And, and, but in the process, you may come to the end of yourself and, and recognize that I can't do this. This is beyond me. And, and I, I believe God. I was taught as a kid that God can do anything, and, and uh, that's not necessarily a good way of thinking, because there are things God will not do, uh, and, and those are the things that you're supposed to take care of. But the reality is, he won't do certain things because it violates his character, and that character can't be violated, or there is no God. We try to put God in a box, and one of the ways we try to put God in a box is process. Here's how I got healing. So let me take you by the hand. I'm going to take you down this path, and we're no longer depending on God. We're no longer coming to the end of ourselves. We haven't gone to that place of humility. I have a process. I have a three-step method. If you'll just follow this th three-step method, you'll get better just like I got better. None of that is establishing the will of God, the purposes of God. It's not doing the work that is supposed to be done through pain 
where I come back and recognize pain was introduced into the earth through our willfulness, through our pride, through our sin. So if pain is going on, something's out of kilter. It may not even be me. Might be other people. It might be the entire culture. It might be a lot of different things. And if it's out there and it's everyone and it's everything, I probably don't have the power to fix it. But I do have the power to step into a place where I'm receiving the grace of God. And that grace of God is sufficient to lift me up to a place to where I can overcome. Amen. Powerful stuff. I, I, I've so enjoyed walking through all of this with you. We have one more program to wrap up the entire series. I hope you've enjoyed sitting in on this conversation where we've explored these concepts of healing and pain and what does it look like to get to that point. I believe that if you'll take hold of some of the principles, you'll be able to minister to other people. You'll be able to be an instrument of life. We thank you for joining us here at Effective Heart Change, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Yeah, try not to flex either. I get intimidated when you do that. The train of thought is that I'm looking to defend myself. That's right. You're, you're so so intimidated by me, Dale. I, I am. <laughs> well, there is truth to that. I have been known to throw blows, but usually not physical ones. <laughs> I've been known to blow my nose, too. So. <laughs> oh, that's an outtake for sure, right? <laughs> um, where were we? Yeah, uh, okay. Be.